This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week, number 775, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you who are wearing their masks, washing their hands, getting vaccinated, and getting through it with us and with each other. Something new. Stop. Drop. Shut them down. Hey, welcome to iFanboy Pick of the Week, episode 775. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm concerned that I just blew the audio a little on that first high, but we're moving forward. I'm with Connor Kilpatrick, who will have to deal with it. If this was an old Marvel comic, we'd have a special anniversary size issue of 775. Oh, yeah. Anything yeah, anything ending on the quarter, the 25s, the, yeah. that's a big deal. We should charge. So what that means is that this month we're charging the patrons a dollar extra. This would be a dollar fifty issue. Supposed to a dollar or dollar twenty five. Yeah. Can I can I just say how much? Because when we came into well, when I came into comics, you're probably a little earlier. Seventy five cents was a regular issue. Uh huh. A yep. dollar was like a like a basically one of the good books with a good with good talent on it was a dollar, and then special issues were a dollar fifty. And what a great system that was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I understand. I understand completely why the economics don't work that way anymore for all sorts of reasons. Mm hmm. Inflation being big one, being one, but also just you know economies of scale. There's sure, just yeah, not yeah, as yeah. many people buying comics, and so therefore, you know the the people who make them still need to make a living. Blah 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 blah. Printing global. Blah blah blah. But it was a great system. We don't have time for this conversation. But when I was a kid going to this, where else are we going to have this? Conversation? I know. I'm just saying. I'm just looking at this. Place. This is a packed script. We've talked about this before. This is not going to be new for long term listeners. But I distinctly remember being at comics for sale. Which was a store on seventy, I want to say seventy fourth Street in Columbus. It was around my, it was near my school. It was, it was like so my my friends could go after school to the comic store, and I distinctly remember when I could no longer buy five comics for five dollars. It went to four dollars because it went to dollar twenty five oh. a comic. You used to be able to walk in with a five dollar bill and buy five comics. By the way. A $5 bill at that point in life was just like, it was like a lottery ticket. Oh, it yeah. was, I have five, and then a 10? I mean, forget it. You got a pretzel, you got a slushy, you got a bunch of comics, and then you had change left over. Oh. I remember, and I also told the story before, that was the same time when they went to 125 was this, the subway in New York, or uh, the bus also cost 125 mm-hmm. And so we, he would let us pay in tokens. Nice. So to the tokens you'd use to get on the subway or the bus, because he was like, well, I got to go home to Brooklyn anyway. So he's <laughs> like, I'll just use your tokens. That That's a New York that no Yeah, it was like, if we, if we ran out of regular cash, I remember one of my friends being like, can I use a token on this one? And he's like, he looked at it for like a second. He looked kind of like young Mark Bagley, shaggy hair, mustache. Uh-huh. And he, was, he looked at it for a second and said, well, I got to go home anyway. I'll, sure, why not? Yeah. 
So. Of course he looked like that. And, then, and, he, and he did the tax implication. He's like, well, hold on. Now. This is saving me money. Anyway. We are a fanboy. Every week we read our stack of comics. One of us picks the one that they like best. They call that the pick of the week. We talk about the book. We talk about other books. We might get to listener mail. There will be a patron pick. There should be patron powers. We'll see if we figure that one out. We have a good time. There will be spoilers. Connor, you had the pick. I did. And it was a weird week. It's a pretty light week. And not a very notable week for me. So I finished reading my books, and I picked a pick of the week out. I told Josh about it. I said, here's the pick. But then I wasn't super convinced. I just was nagging at me that it was a fine pick. It was a solid book. But I thought, well, let me just see. Let me just make sure. So I was looking at the releases, and I looked at Avengers Mech Strike number three, and I thought, you know what? We joked about reading number one because when the number one came out, it was almost the patron pick. And I thought, well, let me just see who did it. And I looked at the creative team. I was like, oh, it's Jed McKay and Carlos Magno. Jed McKay has been doing the Black Cat book and some other Marvel books. And he's one of the more notable new writers on the scene, relatively new writers on the scene. And then Carlos Magno drew that of Invaders comic mm-hmm. that we liked the art, although occasionally got wonky. But for the most part, we liked it. And so it was a solid creative team. You liked it more than I did. By the end, I was like, eh. Then there's just the wacky premise of the Avengers all wearing mech suits. Now, I'm not like a mech guy. I'm not like a kaiju guy. But... Jed McKay's a funny writer, so I thought, well, at least let me read the first issue. Also, I think I think we've softened on the mech. That used like early on, that was like a joke of like, here's a dumb thing that we laugh at. Yeah. And now we're like, all right, we'll give you a chance. Right. So then I read the first issue and I really enjoyed it. And then I read the second issue, and something happened in the second issue, and I went, Oh. And then by the time I got to the third issue. Now, this is slightly cheating because I read all three issues this week. So this is sort of a, a pick for, of the high I got after reading all three issues together. I don't think anyone can fault you for that. I think that's a, that's a, I think that's a pro move. I think that's a, you're saying it. It's a class move. Yeah. It's good. So by the time I got to the end of three, I was like, this is super fun. <laughs> and it was the most fun I had reading a comic this week. And so it became pick of the week. So the premise of this particular book, it's not out of continuity. It's also not in continuity. It doesn't really matter. It's basically the movie Avengers team. It's Captain America. Iron Man, Black Panther, Black Widow, Captain Marvel, Hulk, and Thor, plus Spider-Man. So it's basically the major movie characters. Sure. But they're also working out of the the uh, the current Avengers base. The, uh, I keep wanting to say the Sentinel, but it's the um, Eternal, Avengers Mountain. So it's kind of like in a familiar continuity, but it's not really what's going on here. So it feels very kind of timeless. And in the beginning, Tony's got a mustache, which I always appreciate. It felt, you know, it felt very much like reading... That Joe Casey Avengers book that came out, you know, mumble mumble years ago. It was like that Avengers 1963 book or whatever. I have a vague, vague memory of this. It was like very timeless like that. Like sure, it felt like if you wanted to stick it in continuity, you could, but it just didn't really need to worry about it. It's a lot of fun. This The premise is that in the first issue, this giant mech is destroying, was it Cleveland or something? Yes, it was Cleveland. It was consuming mass, and the more mass it consumed, the bigger it got, and so then they started attacking it, and the more they hit it with like Thor's lightning bolt or Hulk punching it, it got stronger and bigger. So they were basically at a loss until Black Panther jumped in its mouth and killed it from the inside, and they found out that Vibranium sort of was immune to the mech's powers. Then like dozens of these mechs start popping up, and they're overwhelmed, and so we start getting to this really dilated time period where like time passes as they're trying to deal with this problem and tony starts growing facial hair and his hair gets longer and black panther starts growing facial hair as they try to figure this out and i like the idea that this was happening over a long period of time like this is i guess in that sense it's very much out of continuity as it's like mech crisis is happening all around the world and one of their solutions is they make vibranium mech suits for all the avengers to wear to fight these other mechs and it's fun it's it's a little dumb but it's also a lot of fun and then in the middle of the second issue you realize that the the, the attack is coming from the future, and that's when it's revealed that the big bad is Kang. And uh, it just suddenly has all the properties of an Avengers, classic Avengers story that I really want to read. And in the third issue, we're dealing with the fact that Kang has broken the timeline. And so, like, there's dinosaurs, and there's cowboys, and there's Roman centurions, and Spider-Man is a lot of fun in this. It's just a big old rock'em sock'em battle with Kang sitting there, really manspread on his chair, I thought exactly that. I was like, oh, look at him. Like, and that's how Kang should be drawn. It's arrogance 100%. personified, the way he's sitting yes. there. It's very, yeah. You know, as, as the Hulk in his mech suit, which doesn't really make any sense. I, don't, I feel like Hulk wouldn't keep the suit on. It doesn't really matter. It's just 
a big old rock'em sock'em battle. And then into this issue, you get revealed that because again, this is very much tied into people who have seen the movies. Thanos shows up. This was just super fun, and it felt very classic. The regular Avengers book came out this week, and we've talked a lot about how this is not clicking with us. It's never really clicked with us, and you know that it ended the Phoenix story. And I was like, okay, sure. This is kind of like what I want to read out of an Avengers book, at least right now. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it's a real testament to sort of what you can do if you're not sort of worried about everything else going, mm-hmm. whatever else is going on. Just sort of the freedom of like tell an Avengers story. It doesn't matter who is currently on the team in something or whatever. You just tell your Avengers and also story. Everyone, and everyone's sort of in their class. Not everyone, but in a very classic outfit. Like Cap's in his very traditional Cap outfit. It's very much the... Speci- I mean, I, I don't know much about Jed McKay, but yeah. I think he tends to like the same era of comics that we do because I believe that the characters are all very much... They're inflected by the movies, but there seem to be the versions of what we would think of as the classic versions of these and characters. And who got left out of the party, Josh? Hawkeye, Hawkeye, which is fine. I'm <laughs> I'm really starting to be okay with that because I am coming to believe mm-hmm. that Hawkeye doesn't fit in the MCU. Hawkeye died in 1987, and mm-hmm. the Hawkeye we've seen since is a life model decoy. No, no, no. Hawkeye died sometime near the end of the Thunderbolts run because <laughs> well, that definitely happened. What did he die? It was it was the this deconstructed Avengers disassembled. Ben is, you know, Ben is his precursor to New Avengers. That was when Hawkeye died there, not like this, like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually died. Oh, sure. Uh, that yeah, was no, the end the, of the character. That's the, the Paul McCartney. The, the Hawkeye that was resurrected, he, <gasps> uh, he and Hawkeye. Clint is dead. <laughs> There's your t-shirt right there. Clint There's is dead. Oh, I'm writing this down. Clint is dead. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm fine with that. I, I think that's okay. And, and it's funny because the trade-off is kind of like, let's put Spider-Man on there. And you get to have Insecure Spider-Man, or as I call it, the Kyle Rayner Spider-Man. Because mm-hmm. I've been trying to think, there's always now the Insecure character. If you And I hate to say this because it's going to open a door, but the Flash in the Justice League movie was the Insecure Kyle Rayner character. Yeah. Even if the character as you know them, has no reason to be the insecure character because of everything that's happened. They always have to put one on. In, in the movie, in the MCU movies, it, it's Scott Lang. There's always one like, well, I'm just happy to be here. Audience surrogate character. Yes. Who's yeah, like, yeah. isn't this awesome? Yeah. And that's not Clint Barton. I'll get to give yeah. him that. At one point, I think it's in the second issue, he and Black Widow go off to fight together. And he's like, Spider Squad. She's like, We're, don't, don't call us that. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is he? Oh, right. She's a spider. I just keep yeah, forgetting. Yeah, I, I forget that. that. My favorite part of that was, I think it was in the first issue, he just starts talking. Captain America's just like, you're doing it again. <laughs> and I just, and I liked, I liked the, uh, I guess the trust that the writer puts in the reader to just like, he doesn't have to explain it. And then he, a little while later, he's like, you're doing it again. Sorry. <laughs> and I'm not even clear what he was doing, but it's funny. Just talking too much. Yep. They're in silly, ridiculous outfits. Thor's suit has a giant hammer arm and, Spider-Man, I think they're all painted like their character. Like, it's just, it's silly in a way that there's a lot of readers who don't like their comics to be silly. But to me, this was incredibly fun and incredibly timelessly old school. Well, what I thought was interesting is that they're still in the Celestial Head Mountain. Yes. So that is sort of now. But what I kept thinking the whole time that I was reading it, I was what I, I thought was, and uh, I was like, why isn't this just the Avengers... Why isn't this the Avengers series? Like, right. put this arc in the middle of it. I mean, maybe you got to move it around or move right. the pieces around or whatever, but like, put this arc in the middle of it. This would be like there was a real threat. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt, you know, there's, there's these things showing up, biomechanoids, I think. There's stakes, and, and, and then it does the thing where it, it time jumps. We're like 30 days in, 50 days in, you know, and you're yep. seeing them start to get tired. Yep. And. It's a storytelling method that works really well in comics, and it doesn't get used that much because of a, because of continuity. But you know, if Jason Aaron finishes an arc, and they throw this in between, we don't, and they don't ever do that anymore. No. Every there's a writer on on a thing, and he writes all of the issues until he stops writing them. But it used to be, it used to be that every once in a while someone would just throw another arc in there. Right. And I I thought it'd be cool if this was just the Avengers book for a couple of months. Yeah, I mean, I mean, again. Like, uh, both books came out this week, and this is this is way more what I'm looking for. And it's a very kind of similar aesthetic. In the regular Avengers book, they're all wearing, like, Phoenix suits. Yeah. You know, very f- similar idea. 
Except in this, I could tell which one was which. Right. <laughs> Although uh, I did learn too much red, white, too much uh, red and blue in these characters. So between Spider-Man, Captain Marvel, Captain America, and Thor, you had to kind of look like That's you weren't true. just you weren't yeah. told exactly by the costume. Jed McKay's, I think, a really good comic writer. I love his Black Cat series. There's something else he's written that I can't think of at the moment that I really like. Yeah, there's something we just, I think we had a pick a little while back. Was or at it, least the, we talked was it about a Fantastic it. Four book? No, that was Chris Cantwell. That was Chris Cantwell. They have a similar aesthetic in that they're both funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They both do really good action and big, like, I think they're, you know, there's not really a new generation of writers like we had previously, but we, you know, between Jed McKay, Chris Cantwell, Dinah Cates, you know, relatively new people coming in, Kelly Thompson, who seem to focus a lot on humor as well as action. Yeah, I think Kelly and Donnie and Matt Rosenberg are, yep. are from a little before this class because they've definitely been kicking around for a while. And then there's now there's these new people leaking it. I don't know, and this feels more like it used to be, quite honestly. If somebody would show up and you wouldn't really know where they came from or their name and they'd do some issues and right. you either notice them or not. Because for a while through the 2000s, 2010s, everybody who came to a book had some other pedigree that that was the marketing because they were right. just trying to get anybody who didn't read comics to look at them. Yep. And you know, it resulted in some good comics, but it resulted in a lot of forgettable comics where some author got to have a dalliance, you know, some best-selling author got to have a dalliance in comics, you know, and mm-hmm. it, they tried to make it matter. But the books didn't work a lot of the time. And so now it seems like we, we're getting people back who might have other experience, obviously, but have an affection for these characters. And again, I don't think the movies have hurt that. I think the movies kickstarted a lot of these people, you know, even if they grew up with comics, you know, maybe they got off and the movies got them back in. You know, because that sense of humor is is in the MCU. That's yeah. And the thing is, like, it's not jocularity. It's not gone. Jen McKay no. also wrote Taskmaster, by the way. That was it. I knew it was something very recent. Chris Cantwell, as you know, wrote one of our favorite TV shows, created it, still show ran it. Jed McKay is a Canadian TV writer. Mm-hmm. So the idea that they're they're poaching from it's not gone, but they don't necessarily lean with it. Like Jed McKay just sort of showed up, sort of writing comics one day. It wasn't like there was a big marketing push that we got this guy. Right. And also. It used to matter a lot more that somebody was from a TV show. And now that TV shows have become so spread out, it's just, you know, like, oh, it's, it's another TV writer that, yeah. you know, has a sideline, which, you know, it's great to write TV. But, you know, it used to be you get a TV show and like you are set for life. Yeah. And now, you know, <laughs> since we've been talking 19 Netflix shows, three Hulu shows, 47 HBO Max shows and 12 Amazon Prime shows have debuted and been canceled. Yes. Yeah, so. Jed McKay, you know, between Taskmaster, for me, Black Hat, and Mech Strike, he's a writer now I keep an eye out for. Yeah. Avengers Mech Strike number three is the pick of the week. If you want, like, a, just a classic, super fun, funny, action-packed Marvel story, I think this is the one to check out. I do want to touch on the art, because we mentioned Carlos Magno. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Magno, Magno. Magno. I think he's very good at some things and very bad at faces. <laughs> he's drawing a lot of mechs. No, and, and he's awesome at that. And he's awesome at the dinosaurs and the monsters and the huge action scenes. They're beautiful. But almost every face is like, put that mask back on that person except Kang. He nailed Kang. He's also really good at big chaotic panels. Like his yeah. his panels are full of craziness in terms of like detail and action. Like, you know, in this story where you have seven, eight Avengers in giant mech suits fighting other mechs and now there's dinosaurs and... It's just there's a lot happening, and I think he's really good at those kind of crazy panel work. I think it's worth it, and I think that's the thing, but sort of just the people, faces, no masks. I hate the Prince Valiant Thor haircut. That's not his fault. That's what Kirby did it like. That's how Dad did it. <laughs> you know, but like, so if you get to the, all right, not the second to last page, third to last page, so that's page 20 on your digital reader. Yeah. Now, Prior to this page, you have had a smorgasbord of dinosaurs. His dinosaurs are perfect. Yeah. You know, his mech suits, his people flying through the air. And then you get to this this scene of like the the Avengers just sort of walking down the hall as people. And it's like a completely different artist. Mm. Like it's not great. The you yeah. know, the the proportions are all off. It's like this guy has to be going in hundred miles an hour to be able to drive. Yeah. John Romita Jr. has the same problem. So it's not like it's it's not like he's in bad company. I think he we talked about this with the event invaders book. He's he can be all over the map in terms of I think he does really terrific panels, and I remember yeah. picking a lot of panels from best of the week and panels for him yeah. from those books. But also, he can have very wonky ones. And you yeah, know. I did like it's not so notable in this issue, but I did want to point out that he did like classic gorilla face Hulk, mm-hmm. which you don't see a lot anymore. Like they they still try to make Hulk kind of handsome, but he had sort of that prominent lower Heavy part. Brow. Of yeah. 
Neanderthal Hulk or whatever it is. I had a great time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can tell. I don't, I don't know that I would have said this is pick of the week stuff, but I was unsurprised when I went back to read it, and and I had to read three issues, yeah. and it didn't bother me. Like you know, it was it was just a, a bunch of fun. I wrote to a friend of mine immediately, I was like, "You got to check this out. This is exactly what you want to be reading," because he's like a transformer person, and yeah. a, you know, kaiju, and and he was like, "Ooh," and I was like, "I know stuff like this goes under. It's it's yeah, it goes under the radar." But then again, I don't read anything, so. The only marketing I do is what's like what covers that. So I guess that's my own fault. The Silver Coin number one from Image Comics, written by Chip Zdarsky, John, colored and lettered by Michael Walsh. This is a new anthology series from Image in which it's basically Michael Walsh's book, and every issue is kind yeah. of a different writer writing a different scenario around a silver coin. It's like uh, Black Mirror or The Twilight Zone, and this is the kind of horror I like. Yeah, yeah. Where it's Twilight Zoning, you know, Monkey Paw. It's very human. The horror, you know, there's there's a magical coin here, but it's a very human story. It's selling your soul to the devil. It's that kind of thing. It's like it's trades on hubris. Yes. Human nature is the devil. The three wishes, you know, that kind of the trick. Yeah. So uh, a band in the 70s, 1978, a, you know, small town rock band with no fans, but apparently a somewhat talented singer, songwriter, guitarist. That guy finds a silver coin and he, he needs a pick for his gig because he, he's out, he can't find a pick. So he uses the coin and suddenly his music is, goes to the next level. And mm-hmm. he's, he's bringing crowds in. Everyone's impressed by him. Record executives want to sign him. But this magical coin has a price. I thought this was terrific. I really did. I thought this was a really, really yeah. It was issue. it was a heck of a lot of fun. I got really excited when I saw the cover. It's just the, sort of a rock guy with a Telecaster, and I know that Michael Walsh is a musician. He's been in bands. He's a guitar player. He has a Telecaster, which is why this guy does probably. It was really cool. I didn't actually know what it was. I thought it was a series about this thing, and then it ended, and then I saw there was others. I'm like, oh, Walsh never blew up. Mm-hmm. You know, he. I think he comes in the Chris Somney school. He came along after that. He's really good, but. You know, I don't think he puts a lot of butts in seats, but he's one of those people like he's part of the community. People respect his work. Who know? Yes. I, his work's beautiful. And so he got his really talented friends to <laughs> do this thing with him. And that's awesome. Yeah. You know, like it's a jam. You know, they get to make this cool thing. And because, you know, they're his ideas, but he didn't write it. So he gets to have these other people come in and add their voice I mean, I haven't read the other issues, but I'm excited about the names that I'm seeing. I want to see whatever Kelly Thompson is going to do with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was super fun. It was beautiful. You know, yeah, like really I thought great it was looking, really great. The looking. art was exact. You know, there was a supernatural element, but not like rock mixed with werewolves. No, it's just it's just it's cursed, and it's not like a demon shows up and, sh- and does something. It's just it's just right. When you get to the end, and spoiler warnings, you know, he can't stop playing. Mm-hmm. And then the people listening can't stop listening and dancing to it to the point where there's a fire breaks out in the club because of a cigarette dropped on the curtain. Mm-hmm. But none of them can stop, so they all burn to death. Even that works as a metaphor. You could yeah. take out sort of the fantastic element of it and just be like, oh, that's the that's you know, rock excess and burnout or what you know, whatever it is. Like it all works. It's a short story. You know, short stories can be terrible and they can be awesome. And I thought this was great. Again, Chip Sadarsky has no specific voice that I can tell other than he's really good. <laughs> he's really good. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I don't read something to be like, there's classic Zdarsky. Yeah. Other than like, wow, this is an unexpected thing. There's a really good take on it. I know, but I don't even think, I don't think of him as a dark writer. No, I'm saying you know, this like, issue was dark. As yeah, opposed totally. to like, he's known as the funny guy. You know, he's a yeah, reverend. But I don't think that's, I don't think that's, I don't think that's deserved anymore. I think that that's to look at it's sort of part of the guy's talent. His online persona, but like his his work yeah. runs the gamut of tones and yeah. storytelling styles. Can I tell you, it is awful to play guitar with a quarter. Unless it's a magic quarter. It makes a different sound, and it, I just picture the guitar getting all scratched up and that string breakage. Maybe My that's wife the sound these you, metal picks you've been and I was looking like, for. Hey, with these. <laughs> Listen to this. <laughs> this silver coin was terrific. It really was. Yep. So in this week's patron voting... You know, we had a winner, but for a while in the beginning, a bunch of books were in contention. One of them was King and Black number five. And so I remarked to Josh, hey, there's a contingent of people who voted for King and Black number five. And then Josh was like, well, wait a minute. Maybe we should read it because we read the first issue. We didn't like it. But we enjoyed many of the side stories for King and Black. King and Black was an event that ran for 74 years. (laughs) And so there was a lot of side stories. Actually, somebody looked it up. I think it started in November. 
Jesus. So November, December, January, February, March, April. It's six months. Too long. In pandemic time, that literally works out to 74 years. Yeah, so I th- we thought, well, let's just check out the last issue. Mm-hmm. Why not? Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, J.P. Mayer, Frank Martin, Jason Keith, Clayton Cowles. And this is the final issue of the King and Black event, which is funny. It was only five issues, but it went for six months. <laughs> well, there were 70,000 issues Yeah, overall. And, you know, we get the premise because, again, we read the first issue. We read some of the side bits. And in here, that's the final battle with Null, the King in Black, the King of the Symbiotes. Symbotes, as Ron used to say. It's the first Silver Surfer fights up with a giant sword, and Donny Cates loves his giant swords. And then the giant wrong with that. assembled heroes of the world who are all calling themselves Avengers attack, and that doesn't work. And then Venom shows up and saves the day and becomes the new King in Black. And of course, it was always going to be Venom versus this guy. And sure. I was like, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that <laughs> having been inculcated into this King in Black world, by the time I you know, came to the end of it, I mm-hmm. was like, oh, okay, I'm ready to go. Mm-hmm. It's interesting that as early as a couple of weeks ago, in certain books, it was over. I think it was all Miles Morales, Superman. Like, but it was then, in this week's Avengers, it said, <laughs> next issue, King in Black. And I was like, what? I think that is, I think Venom's going to show up in that issue okay. as well, I think. All right. I think that's because, spoiler, Venom becomes the king in black. Right. But he's a kinder, gentler, nicer one. I think you probably could have done this whole thing in three issues. I mean, I guess. I don't know. I haven't not, not read the middle story. Because the whole middle bit, though, was like... Did you read the whole thing? No, but, I mean, we read all those other issues. And so yeah. it was always about looking in. There's always the darkness. And the darkness mm-hmm. is always there. Everything in the middle was just the sturm and drang of the thing. Yeah. Because, you know, the light prevails over the darkness or whatever. You know, it's interesting to me, I, a couple, you know, one of the things that came out is that Ryan Stegman's art used to be very recognizable to me, mm-hmm. and I, I, it, it has progressed in a way that I find to be really interesting. Um, I think earlier on, you could really see the McFarlane and, and, and um, what's his name, the Batman guy, artist? Capullo? Greg. Yeah, the Capullo and the McFarlane on his, his influence, and, and, you know, it really has turned into, he's been at it for a long time, and... and is really good. I think, you know, it's it's that right kind of comic book gosh drama that he does really well. You know, the, like we've got Eddie Brock is a completely different version of this character who I <laughs> yeah. knew at one time and, and whatever. I get that's it. That's what I can't get over. It's fine. Uh, it, I don't like Venom anyway, no matter what version it is. So that's my cross to bear for the book. But it's not entirely true, uh, except for the fact that, like, when I think of Venom, when I think of Eddie Brock, I always think there's a page turn in Amazing Spider-Man 300-teen-something yeah. where he knocks on... I want to say it's page two. Like, this is the impression it's made on me. Mm-hmm. Like, I can I can see it. He knocks on the door and May opens the door. I thought it was Mary Jane. No, I think it's Aunt May. Mm. And he's like, hi, can Peter come out and play? And he's got the same grin on his face that the Venom suit has. Yes. So that's how I relate those two going together. And since then, it's become more of a battle between Eddie Brock Nah, battle's not right. It's a struggle. It's a meld. It's not even though like it feels like now they're they're at a, a stasis. They accept that they are a we, mm-hmm. you know, and they're different. They're a team. They're Crockett and Tubbs or uh, Riggs and Murtaugh <laughs> kind of thing. And that's different. But I I always I I think of you know Eddie Brock as that menacing character. Now it makes sense that he would mature or change over the years or, or whatever. So it's just it's just different now. But I, I don't have a handle on what he is now, I guess. He's the king of black now. Yeah, whatever that means. But it was fine. I didn't I didn't hate it. I didn't dislike it. You know, Ryan Stegman draws really insane, you yeah. know, battle sequences. And there's some fun, you know, bits here. With, he's got a giant weapon that's made from Silver Surfer's Blade and Mjolnir. And he uses that to stab the king of black. Or it's like a giant axe. And he, you know, there's a lot going on here. Want to know my physics problem here? I'm sure there's many. He flies Null into the sun, which is the sun is the dumping refuse for every horrible thing that <laughs> happens in a comic book. But he's there in moments. Yeah. And it is impossible for anything to move faster than the speed of light. And I was like, that would take some time. So it'd be like there'd be an awkward between panels. There's a long, awkward period of travel. Are you <laughs> saying that the faster than light drives in my sci-fi books are not physically sound? Not as we understand physics now, no. Well, they just discovered a bunch of particles that don't follow the laws of physics as we with them. So there are many laws of physics that we don't know about. That's why I'm making a hand gesture just in case anybody needs it because they're not viewers. <laughs> There's the folding of space-time so yeah. that you can sort of like, you know, you fold the piece of paper over and then you go through because as far as we Wormhole. know. Wormhole. Listen, 
I'm not an expert. I read it. Where's Ryan? That's one of the things that stuck with me is that nothing actually moves faster than the speed of light. So when I watched that, I thought, or read that part, I thought, oh, they're just cruising along through space. And then I was like, I should look up how far away the sun is and do the math. And I didn't. King of Black number five. It was fine. I enjoyed it. It wasn't yeah, bad. It was, yeah. I mean, you'd rather have an event go this way than almost any of the other ones we've had in recent memory. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't super in- interested in it. No, but, yeah. but it didn't, like, it. if it didn't add to all the other books and tie-ins, it didn't take away. Like, the sure. fact that there were miniseries through this, several that we wanted to read. Yes. No, for you know, sure. Yes. It's something. And then we could sort of come in and read the last issue after not being that interested in it and be like, that was all right, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I'll give him credit. Green Lantern number one, Infinite Frontier. This is a reboot of the Green Lantern book written by Jeffrey Thorne, art by Dexter Soy and Marco Santucci with colors by Alex Sinclair and letters by Rob Lee. So I saw the cover of this mm-hmm. and I thought, oh, I'm going to hate this. <laughs> the word Teen Lantern, it just It awful. makes me laugh. I know you hate it, but I think it's no, funny. I, I, no, but I think, that's, I think that what you're saying is correct. Yeah. So what, what happens, though, is that we get in here and... There's a conclave of all of the worlds, the council, whatever they're calling them, that John Kent and and Superman have sort of like all everybody's going to get together mm-hmm. and they're going to create peace throughout the galaxy. And they're all meeting on Oa, you know, and it's a security nightmare. <laughs> and you've got John Stewart, who is a great Green Lantern, by the way. Yeah, I sure. really I really like John Stewart. Yeah. He's trying to keep it all in check. Hold it together. Boy, Teen Lantern is a wild card. Yeah, as is. a character she's 11 i have an 11 year old <laughs> give that 11 year old a green lantern ring think about that. Get that get that thing away from her but she's not gonna let you take it from her anyway and she's she's uh she's speaking spanish angry spanish a lot of the time and i thought well this is a situation i've never read before <laughs> and i really liked this issue i mean it's basically a green lantern core book you know you've got john yeah. stewart you have simon bods you have guy gardner you have teen lantern briefly see kyle rayner and you've got you know kilowog and all the other and, and Hal is perfunctorily in here. The writer of this book has made it very clear publicly that he hates Hal, Hal Jordan as a character, so I can't imagine we'll see him again. Huh. But, you know, you've got a lot of interesting things going on here. As, as you said, the Green Lantern Corps tries desperately to keep all these alien factions from killing each other. And you have Sinestro and his corps who are there as, as delegates. And you have Red Lanterns and a bunch of, you know, alien races that are necess- not necessarily liking each other. And then you have a character... A Thanagarian who looks a lot like Shiara, who was yeah. John Stewart's girlfriend on the cartoon, but it's not her. So I think they're trying to create that familiar dynamic between these two characters from people who watch that cartoon, but they can't do it because of the continuity. So here's another auburn-haired Thanagarian woman who seems to like John. So that was interesting. I thought it was I thought it was Shiara when I first saw her, but no. So as we're flipping through this and talking about it, they covered a shitload of ground in this. A lot issue. went on here. And, and not in a bad way. I, I'm kind of impressed now looking back on it, all the things that happened. And there was a lot to like. There's a, a whole thing that happens in the Senate chamber. And it's impossible to not picture that Padme Amidala is in there, by the way. This is a very <laughs> Phantom Menace-inspired government body. At one point, Jon Stewart looks and there's a... I don't know what are the Brainiac people. I don't know what they are. Uh, they're from New Kolu. And there's a lady. And oh, he's yeah, like... Brainiac people, yeah. He's impressed by her. And so he, that was what I saw as the crush thing. And then sure. they, you know, they give... Baz, I don't remember the more of his name. Baz Simon, they give you know like here, take Baz. her out for take her out for some snacks. <laughs> One problem I had though, mm-hmm. so there's like this ceremonial uniform that this big toga basically that John Stewart is wearing, mm-hmm. and then when Simon Baz goes out with the girl, he's then also wearing one. And he basically looks exactly like John Stewart with a very slightly different haircut. Yeah. And so there's a scene that happens outside where it appears that John Stewart is with the girl. Teen Lantern. Teen Lantern. And then a fight breaks out and then immediately Simon goes back into his other costume. Right. And then we cut back to the chamber and there's uh, John Stewart in his costume. I was like, it was a good drug, but it was, that was a really, those were weird choices. I'm not a huge Dexter Soy fan. He's, he's a solid comic artist. There's good stuff in here. There's definitely good stuff in here. I have historically not been a huge, like he's not bad. Not, not at all, but Mm -hmm. just not, not my style. And so that was, you know, I was like, okay, well, this is fine. But he didn't draw the whole book. Uh, Marco Santucci did some of it. I did enjoy reading this. It's clearly a John Stewart and Friends book. 
Yeah. Which is totally fine because John Stewart is terrific. I just wasn't expecting anything out of it, and I was hit with what I thought was a really good comic book. It's fun. Interesting. One, one more little bit is there's a speech sort of given by Sinestro in the end mm-hmm. with his little group of yellow folk. And I looked at him, and, and uh, this drawing of him is, is clearly very, very inspired by Ethan Van Skyver <laughs> drew him. Yeah. And I remember Sky, Van Skyver talking about the fact is like, I wanted to make him look like Hitler. And so he did here, and I remembered that. And I thought, that was totally the wrong take on Van Skyver, and it's not, I mean, mm-hmm. on Sinestro. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what Jeff Johns did at all. And that has colored my impression of him. And that's not what the guy is. He's an absolutist in a way, mm-hmm. but he's not. Not Hitler. He's, no, exactly. He's more fun being slightly He's not dread. trying to exterminate anything. He's uh, yes. imposing his will. Yes. It's just not the same. And, it's, it's not the same thing. And, and it's, it's interesting that they went with that design of it. And maybe people don't remember it like I do. I, just, you know, I did an interview with Van Skyver. And, and he said that to me. So it always stuck with me. And I think it messes up the character to a certain extent. Do you think extent. the Yellow Lantern has got three stacked heads? How do you think the digestion works there? Do you think like the top head doesn't eat? I assume there's just a shared... A shared esophagus, but it, does it go around the brains? No, it goes right back down the... In, so like it goes like, through... The, there's a tunnel through the brains. So it's the just, esophagus goes through the wiring. brains. There's like a well, brain The real question here highway. is, are they three distinct... Part personalities, personalities in those heads. That's interesting. And if so, what is the point of that? Evolutionarily, it's a problem. My favorite part is up in the upper left-hand corner. It says the tube heads. As these <laughs> creatures to just have some tubes for heads. And then I also noticed at one point when they first get out to like the festival, because there's like a festival going on outside mm-hmm. while this happens. It's like the Olympic Village of yeah. aliens. And at one point on page six of your digital reader, one guy is definitely drinking a Slurpee. <laughs> <laughs> There's a Star Wars creature, and I just that's oh, a yeah, nice he is. That's touch. awesome. I love that. I, I you know, because it's like that's comics. We're all having fun. I don't want to knock Soy. Mm-hmm. Just stylistically, it's not my favorite, but I, I think he's a good comic artist. I like how he draws the Guardians. Yeah. So I'm going to read more, which is good. Yeah. I assume you would have read that because I said. Yeah, I read it. I read it with that. I read it. Yeah. Already. But I'm yes, sure. I'm trying to check out I, any of them as I can. I wouldn't have. Sure. I mean, I was just like, well, I'll try this. And I was so surprised. That's always really nice. Mm-hmm. Hey, no big ad this week. We're going to get through this kind of quick because there's lots of comics to talk about and we keep going on and on. But uh, we want to thank uh, the patrons and and make people aware of patreon.com slash ifanboy. You know the spiel if you're listening. They unlocked a bunch of shows and, and features. The patron pick, Talksplodes, Booksplodes, Mediasplodes, and YouTube content. It's a lot. Uh, when we look back at it in retrospect, we are looking at our next stretch goal, which will probably be a while. And we maybe didn't up. anticipate the amount of work it would be required to do all those stretch goal yeah. shows. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, like I want there to hit another stretch goal, but also at the same time, a man got to sleep is what I'm saying. <laughs> in the meantime, you got the patrons and they can enjoy the patron Facebook group, the discord server for the communities that are there. And, uh, you know, thank you for everyone. Uh, it, it really does make a huge difference. It makes this show a lot easier to get done and to Makes justify the time for. Yeah, yeah, that too. It keeps us on our toes because we know that we have you guys to answer to in a way. We want to make sure that we are uh, repaying the value that you have set on us. Um, and so we, you know, we love doing it. So it makes it a little easier, but we're beholden in a way. And I think that that's really helpful. Keeps us going. So thank you for that. Please sign up if you think that you would like to be involved with it. And if not, you should throw yourselves on the largest of the people who have and thank them and uh, give them muffins and furs. Ooh. Go to ifanboy.threadless.com. You will find eight t-shirt designs there. They're going to be put on various pieces of clothing and items. I think we're getting close. I think we're getting close to something. Oh, new. we've been talking about a bunch of shirt designs, and I think this Clint is dead design has got some legs. Yeah. We have a couple that might come out. We've been talking about them actively. <laughs> what I like about Clint is dead is that it just applies to so many things. <laughs> and it's not necessarily in a bad way. Like, what do you think of the... Uh, Fraction and Aha uh, Hawkeye book. Clint is dead. <laughs> Doesn't mean it's not good. What about no. the MCU Clint? Clint is dead. Well, isn't it weird that he's not in Falcon and the Winter Soldier? Clint is dead. <laughs> Did you like that John Byrne West Coast Avengers stuff? Clint is dead. It just, oh, it's so good. It works. It works. Oh, it makes you really happy just to think about. Uh, you can not deal with any of that. You can go to ifabo.com slash support. There's a PayPal 
link there if you would like to chip into the tip jar. And finally, there's the ifanboy.com slash Amazon. And if you click through on any of the Amazon links that are on ifanboy.com, which is like the music that we put on the show and the pick of the week, all the books, blowed books, those kind of things, and you will find all the books, blowed books listed there, we will get a little cut of the things that you buy from Amazon. Um, and we thank you for everyone who does those things. Let's move on. We got comics. Did you read America Chavez made in the USA number two? I did. Two things I wanted to note here. One, America Chavez's family seems like assholes. I thought that. It seems like a lot. What about us? <laughs> Kalina Vasquez, Carlos Gomez, Jesus Abertov, and Travis Lanham is a creative team. It just seems like they're assholes. It's, it, it's some heavy guilt shit. Yeah. Stop saving the world. <laughs> the other thing I, I noted is on page 16 of your digital reader, when she calls Kate... Uh, I almost okay. said Kate Hudson. Kate Clint Bishop. Is dead. Who, Clint is dead. <laughs> She's eating a taco from a taco truck mm-hmm. from the middle. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 16. Okay. What the hell? Number one, it looks like a hard shell taco. And I've been to a lot of taco trucks in LA. It, yeah. And I don't know any that sell a hard shell taco. Now, there could be one because there's literally it, thousands of them. But I've never seen a hard shell taco at a taco. It's it was true. colored to look like a Taco Bell Doritos Loco. <laughs> She's eating it from the middle, which you can already see the, the food f- coming out of the sides as she bites yeah. into it. So we already see that. So I wonder what the intention there was, because I got to assume that Carlos Gomez knows that almost no one eats tacos that way, and that you're going to lose the food if you do, And he, as he's showing in the drawing. So I'm curious as to why that was yeah. the decision that was made. You think he's... You think he's sticking it to her? Do you think that he's a Clint fan? Maybe he is. Like, this character is so useless that she doesn't even know how to eat tacos. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to assume, and I hope that this isn't profiling Listen, or stereotyping. I, I, did, I did research because I was like, well, maybe there's people who eat tacos this way and I just don't know about it. And I, I, I did I'm, some Googling on taco eating from the middle and I couldn't find any instance where this is I okay. Mean, an artist named Carlos Gomez in a book about a Latina character, there's an intention there. Yeah. It's not like when, like, someone can't draw dogs. Like, it's a perfectly fine-looking taco. The taco yeah. truck. Looks right. Yeah. Now, look, if there is a culture out there that does eat tacos this way, please let us know. I'd like to educate myself. This is not meant to be a slur against those people I'm not aware of existing. But it just seems odd to me that, that she's eating this taco this way and her, the food is literally spilling out the sides. Because that's what it's would happen. Weird... And if it was a hard shell, you'd bite in the middle and it would just completely collapse. It would yes. break apart. It is a weird kind of thing. Like I would feel my, I feel like I would tell my kid not to do that. Right. Like, don't eat it like that. You're going to ruin the taco. <laughs> and then because he's my kid, it'd be like, I'm going to keep eating it like that. <laughs> he would stare at you while doing it. <laughs> also, as long as we're on that page, by the way, yeah. the angles in the panel before that left-hand panel stacking, by the way, saved by the letter, mm-hmm. the taco truck angle is weird. The perspective on it is not right. Hmm. Because I thought that the truck was in a second panel because it's sort of cut off. Like, it's like the truck is bent inwardly because of the way that it is, you should see the rest of the, the book. Anyway. So you stuck with Noctera. I did. I found it interesting that based on the title cover and designs of the characters that I really wouldn't like it. And I really didn't mind it. I was kind of interested in it to see what it is. And I found myself more along that way. I think, you know, in the vast plethora of books about the end of the world and apocalypse as we know it, which is, I want to say, 74% of all books. Yeah. That number keeps coming up yep. right now. Of all indie books, actually, sure. all, all comic books seem to be about the end of the world right now, which yeah. I don't know what that's saying. I was interested in it. Should I read it? What did you think of the first one? I didn't read the first one. Oh, you didn't? No. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a glut yeah. of those books, if I'm being honest. No, I know. I think you should try it. You know, Scott Snyder is not person without talent well he's he's also writing another one he's got the other undiscovered country yeah. into the world book yep. going on so he's got two into the world books happening in this one he pointed out he's like this is actually the first sort of solo creator owned series he's done in a while and i think you know yeah, maybe that's yeah after being in all that rigmarole with batman and metal and everything like it's sort of a, a little different kind of thing Back going out and you know what it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like too much and i mm-hmm. think snyder suffers from too much mm-hmm a lot of times he is like there's a couple of pages in here where you're like please stop explaining everything to me mm-hmm. but other than that i think you have a pretty solid character and story in the middle i want to see where it goes i'm not in love with it but mm-hmm. especially on a light week i was intrigued enough by the last one it's kind of interesting i'm not sure what it is 
This week we saw Friday number three from Panel Syndicate, Ed Brubaker, Marcos Martin, Munza Vincente, and I just wanted to mention that I really like this book and I was excited to read it, but it's been so long since issue two, I was just like, I don't know what's happening. And How I don't do have time to go it's back. coming out? How do I know? Because I get an email you from get Panel an email? Syndicate. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I see. Because I bought previous issues, I get an email from Panel Syndicate saying, hey, there's a new issue out. I feel like I bought previous issues and I didn't get an email, Check but your I'm an aggressive. I, there's a lot of stuff in there. I don't, know if, I, don't know, I don't know if you guys know, but if you go to comic book conventions on a press pass for a decade or so, you get a lot of spam. So yeah. you're going to miss some things. So I read it and I was like, I, I clearly need to go back and reread, but I don't have time. Well, it's funny because I saw you put it on there and I was like, right, there was a series called that. And then I had to look up what it was. And most of the Google results had to do with third sequel of an Ice Cube movie. <laughs> and once I found that, I was like, oh, right, that. And I was like, wasn't that the one? I mean, that was a like, different rabbit hole. Yeah, well, it's true. Anyway, this was good, and it had a major event happen that Brubaker in his essay back, which, is, which should be fair, Brubaker's been doing for years before this was like a thing everyone did. Yes, he had written articles. Said that he had meant to happen at the end of the first issue, but then realized it was too soon. So something happened, some major thing happened. But again, I lost a lot of the significance of it because I really basically forgot everything about the previous issue. So uh, that's a problem. Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I thought, you know what? I didn't really love it before. No, you and didn't. I didn't remember what it was, so... It's Encyclopedia Brown, as done by Burt Baker. Yep. Those are the books we wanted to talk about, and on a light week of comics, we are so far over time, but that is on brand for the show. Let's talk about the patron pick, patreon.com slash ifanboy. Every patron can vote to the book to the rundown, and this week the patrons voted, not overwhelmingly, but solidly for Geiger number one from Image Comics. Hey, it's Jeff Johns' first, as far as I'm aware, first creator-owned book, drawn by Gary Frank, colors by Brad Anderson. Isn't that crazy? It is crazy. John's Frank, Anderson Lee, it's the normal Jeff John's team. You know, they did Doomsday Clock. This is his team. So here they are at Image Comics doing Geiger. It is crazy, but he's been so ingrained into the firmament of DC for so long. I just had no idea what to expect because... For sure. He's so DC. I know what to expect when he does DC, and it's it's what you want. But with this, I thought, why? Wow, he's got no net. He's not nothing to... He has to make everything up from this. Right. And I got to say that a lot of times when that kind of thing happens, people just go and they do an analog of the DC characters that they weren't allowed to do, and they did not do this here. It was a no. whole, whole different kind of thing. I mean, it's it's got elements of superhero-ness, but it's also, mo- I think, mostly sci-fi. Don't yeah. you think? Yeah, not hard sci-fi. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's like adventure sci-fi. It's, you know, again, we're in the post-apocalypse, which is really the genre mm-hmm. that Image lives in. People who have, you know... They're, <laughs> because they're, it was formed out of the ashes of the mainstream comic book collapse, and they just can't get away from it. Or they, I think they're just chasing that Walking Dead scenario. Yeah, I know. It's both. So, it, you know, it's uh, 2030, and a family's racing to get to their bunker, and the dad gets trapped outside because his neighbors try to force their way into his bunker... And uh, the bomb goes off, cuts to the present day in this sort of wasteland. And the guy has been basically Dr. Manhattan. He's, the bomb turned mm-hmm. him into some sort of radioactive hero. You know, he's wearing like a cloak, looks like a cape, yeah. dealing with scavengers and other things. And so it's, it's got a bit of post-apocalypse Mad Max stuff. It's got a bit of Dr. Manhattan. It's got a bit of, it's almost like, uh, it's unbreakable a little bit in terms of the aesthetic of the hero. Yeah. And he's got a two-headed dog, and he's run out of <laughs> like books a, to read, and he's eating beans like Rorschach. Like a Cerebus, not Cerebus. What's the, 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 is that, is Cerebus the Cerberus. same name as? Cerberus. Cerberus, that's the one, yes. He's eating read. beans like Rorschach, and there's a lot more Watchmen here that I realized, maybe because of Doom. Well, uh, you know what, I actually noticed the first page, the first page had like Watchmen-y, like uh, the first page of Nine Panel Grid. Yeah. And I was like, oh, you're going to, you're going to stick with that. And the whole thing didn't quite stick with that but it, no. it's related it's very hard borders all rectangular and then there's a king very much like joffrey who's the king of nevada or whatever his territory is and he's living in nevada the, the castle of, in las vegas <laughs> you never watched much of veep right i watched the first season of veep there's one episode where gary cole who's like her robotic advisor of some kind is every time selena says nevada he just goes by he's just behind her he goes nevada they never remark on it. He just does it every single time she mentions it, which is many times. Anyway, sorry. I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. And when I read it, I thought, I didn't expect that. Right. And I, obviously, there is a Watchmen influence, which makes sense because these two spent so much time sort of living in that world. Yeah, a long time. I mean, this could almost be a Watchmen story 
in a way, like like an extended universe one. I thought it was interesting that I learned something this week about Jeff Johns, that he identifies as a Lebanese American. And I noticed that these characters have Middle Eastern names. Yes. Oh, that's interesting. And um, we don't see that a lot in comics. Yeah, even by the end, I didn't really know what to expect. I thought it was a very good depiction of the moment that everything goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Like you see the thing go up in the sky and just a dog barking at it, which is very cinematic. Yeah. Then that motherfucker shot the dog and I was like, you all need to burn. And then we saw them burn. They got a whole page <laughs> about those fuckers burning, which I thought was nice. And then, you know, the 20 years later thing. Right. It's funny because it, it, it felt a bit like a movie pitch, but sure. not in a way that made me resent it. And also, I thought everything that sort of happened after that, like, it doesn't feel so much like a, a movie. No, the setup is not. But, you know, the, yeah. I, I, I don't get movie pitch out of it. I mean, it would be very expensive no, to I make a movie out of this. I had fun with it. I mean, it's very yeah. early. It's a very, it's very much an image number one. It's a cold open. We don't know much about this guy. We don't know anyone's really mo- motivations other than survival. You know, we don't know anything other than this is the setup for the world. It's, I mean, also, like, it, it's all, an all-star team working yeah. on oh, this. It so beautiful. it's kind of it's like you... Book. You you have you expect a lot of it. Like you're like well, this is this is better than a lot of what we see from Image and and you know like this wasn't cheap. Mm-mm. These people aren't cheap. Somebody's you know this is not a cheap creative team. Yeah, you're right. This is a high no. premium creative team. Like if this was a Vertigo series, it'd have to sell twenty five thirty thousand copies to survive. And really interesting. Also, not a timely team, so it's going to be really interesting how often this book. That's actually a good comes point. Out. I hadn't thought of that. Comes out because. Gary Frank, God love him, one of my favorite artists in comics. I, I, I love his his work. Does not yes. do monthly comics. I will say there's there's one other bit is that the the thing with the King, and Las Vegas is such a weird sidestep from where I thought we were going to be, from this one radioactive person who lives on the plains. His family is behind a door. He can't see them. Presumably they're still alive or not. And then we cut to this weird shit going on in las vegas where there's a kid who's acting like he's a real king but he's actually just in the excalibur basically in las vegas and then finally you have then you have a darwin cook inspired sort of las vegas sort of page with, with that bookmark and then you have this like cast of characters who are these people who each run live or rule one of the casinos and it's super cartoony and pulpy and i thought what the hell is this but in a good way but also made me laugh. One of them <laughs> was Safari Bill. And then he got crossed out, and now it's Safari Bob. So I don't know. If, I don't know if someone else took over, or if he took, changed that's, his name. That's the one who looks like Theodore Roosevelt. <laughs> yeah, he's dressed like Theodore Roosevelt. He's got the glasses. He's got the, the that's late post. It's river down the river in Africa. I hope we uh, get some more of this. I mean, obviously that's the plan, but. You know, I'm very curious as to what. I'm sorry, I'm yawning. It's very early. Yeah, right, pal. Yes, yeah, it's very early in the morning, and I have only doing a thing here. Wait for it. I haven't had a shower yet. I hope we get more of it. It's interesting and fun, and this last bit shows a bit more of a lighter touch. Well, I, want, you know? I think you should bookmark this and hang on to it so that you have it available for reference in <laughs> nine months when you have to refer back to it. My suspicion is we'll get like a couple of issues in a timely manner because they'll have banked them, and then. And then it'll fall off the cliff from a, from a release standpoint. That's just that's just the way it works with Gary Frank. They're gonna listen. The issues are gonna come out on time, and this time, we mean it. Ratings for Geiger number one ratings. Oh, out of five, I'm going to give it a solid and optimistic four. Yes, and it says issue two on sale May 12th. They even put a number on it, so not just May. Wow, deadline. So May 12th. Geiger, number two, number one, four stars out of five. Sticking with it, yes. That's your Patreon yeah. pick. Patreon.com slash iFanboy. Every page you can vote down a book to the rundown. But if you give it a $5 higher level, you get your own superpower live on the show, like these four. Hans Gugar makes trails. So if he was to step into the woods or the brush, then a trail would, would clear itself out as if it had been worn in by the Conservation Corps in the 30s. <laughs> wow the ccc yeah, yeah. Conser- conservation i forget i forget what the third c was it's a new deal shit yeah civilian civilian conservation corps there you go i think that's what it was it doesn't have to be in the woods though it could be like if he was like in a garbage dump uh-huh. trail through there or like a like a i don't know a waste field some kind of other some, thing some kind of trail i never even heard of mixed trails uh-huh uh-huh through deep snow like if you 
Theoretically, if he was to walk up and down your driveway during a snowstorm, you clear that fucker out. Oh, wow. Yeah. The tree just sort of appears behind him. In front of him. In front of him. In front of him. That way he does. That way he does. I mean, he can't just. <laughs> <laughs> he just want to shove him so face first into thick bracken. Mm-hmm. David Gilman can hold a pencil in his hand and run his hand over the pencil and it'll be super sharp. He's a human pencil sharpener. That's nice. I keep getting this weird Instagram ad for like this Scandinavian pencil sharpener. That looks really fucking annoying. <laughs> like, like I want to like use it like a like a like a whetstone for my artisanal pencil sharpening. And I was like, who wants this shit? Who cares? Don't you want a pencil to the shop? <laughs> he doesn't do a lot of voices, folks. <laughs> when he does, you should share it. Just shit. get David Gilman to come by, and he'll hold the pencil in his palm and run his other hand over it, and it's super sharp. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. He sharpens pencils. Nicholas Allen is the envy of internet trolls everywhere because movie studios and book publishers will bring him in to consult on every, he can find every possible plot hole in any narrative so that no one will ever criticize those things for plot holes. So he's a script doctor. But he's very specifically <laughs> and, and preternaturally able to, to say uh, your problem there. I see. Now, there are certain movies you can't bring him anywhere near. Mm-hmm. Don't go see Back to the Future with that guy. No, he'll ruin it, Nicholas. Ruin it. Don't be a jerk. But, you know, you know, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of armchair film executives and critics out there. They're always finding plot hole. There's a plot hole. That's a plot hole. This guy means it. Mm-hmm. He knows it. It's true. What's even better, though, is that he can be like, nope, Interstellar checks out. Andy Mul- Mulder. Any dwelling that Andy Mulder is in, any building, uh, domicile, no bugs enter that building. No bugs, no insects, no mosquitoes, no spiders. They just are turned away at the door. Now, I don't know if this is a thing that I've told myself to make myself feel better, but I feel like maybe some of the insect life on, in, and around my house has some sort of benefit that I don't know sure, or understand. Some do, but that, yeah. uh, in Andy's world, none of them come in. So, mm. for instance, a mosquito hawk kills other mosquitoes. Right. That's a benefit. For you, because you maybe you don't want to get West Nile virus, right? But there's no but mosquitoes in, in Andy's world. There's no mosquitoes and or or hawks. It's just there's just it's, just a, it's a moot point. How far does this extend outside of the building he's in? Is it all the way through the walls? Is it's it the walls. around? Okay, so the, the to the exterior wall, right? So like it's like outdoors. If, if there's outdoor space, like a backyard or something, there's there's still he's not ruining the ecosystem. It's just the walls, right? So you're saying from the windows to the walls. All these insects falls. Yes. Sweat drops down my balls. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's Andy's theme song. I think it's been a good show so far. <laughs> We're so far <laughs> over. But I want to do one email. So uh, Really? I'm editing it, so who gives a shit? You son of a bitch. Jason F. says... Four paragraphs. I've been thinking about this question for about four months. So that's, that's respectable. He says, I recently stopped buying nearly any weekly digital comics from Comixology and instead subscribed to Marvel and DC's unlimited apps. From a pure dollars and cents view for the consumer, this makes a lot of sense. For less than $10 a month with the yearly subscription, I get to read anything that DC Marvel has ever put out, minus the most recent three months of comics. This also encourages me to try out comics that I wouldn't normally read since all I'm risking is my time. Do you know how this business model benefits, if it does at all, the creators? Does Grant Morrison get a penny each time I read an issue of his Batman run? It's their Batman run. Or am I just feeding more money to AT&T and Disney? Also, any chance you guys could release a second delayed pick of the week stream for unlimited subscribers like myself? The one thing I don't like about these programs is I listen to your podcast each week. They need to remember in three months which books you recommend to check out. A real first world problem. Well, on that last paragraph, hell no. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, no. The show comes out weekly for those week's books. If you choose to read a different way, then you're going to have to do some legwork on your own for that. Which is just... Google ifambo.com slash colon, put in the name of the book and the number, and it'll tell you if it's one one of the shows. Yeah, I mean, the people who reach, read in trades, we have listeners who read in trades do that. Mm-hmm. It's just like we can't accommodate, especially since these services are constantly changing what their number is because it was six months, now it's three months. If we were doing this full time, maybe, but we're not anymore. Sounds like a good deal. It's a great deal. If we weren't doing the show, then it probably would be the best way to read comics. Yes. Also, I'd like to point out, we have a lot of people who listen to the show who do read that way because we used to, 
and this is all not scientific. I haven't done run the numbers on this, but we used to get maybe like 90% of our downloads in the first seven days of the show coming out. And now it's probably down to like 75%. Hmm. So that's like one, it's not insignificant. It's 25 to 20% of the listeners are listening to the show delayed. And they like it. They like the show, but they're like, these jokes are so old. What are they talking about? They're not timely. I mean, a lot of people talk about on our patron groups, you know, that, that read through the unlimited apps. It's a good service, and it just means you're going to have to do some legwork with the show if you want to keep current. Anyway, back to the thing. Josh and I don't know about contracts. We don't have any insight. We have been covering this world for a long time. We do know a lot of people who are involved. And when you are hired to write a book and draw a book or ink a book or color a book or letter a book, you get a page rate. And if you're a big-name person, you also might get a royalty deal. But it's a very high threshold royalty deal. And I don't know if this applies to digital work at all. That's That would be the unknown thing. But for the most part, you get paid to make a comic, and that's it. Any ancillary revenue goes right to the company. Yeah, and I'm guessing that, this is a guess, this is all... Well, again, we don't know since the advent of these services, but I would imagine, based on the history of comic book publishing, <laughs> there are no <laughs> digital revenues for the creators. I'm guessing that's exactly the, the, the case. Any Any royalties are probably related to print. And trade. I mean, really, that's where a lot of and there's these a high guys... threshold for that too. Like, yeah, but most they, of them like, don't ever get those royalties, or if they do, they're laughably tiny. Yeah. But I think that for the few people who do pretty well for themselves, that really comes in the sales of collections. Yes, book collections and stuff like you like. That's the goal with with like an image book is that you're not going to sell many issues just because nobody sells many issues. But if you can get your book into print and into bookstores and stuff like that, you can start to build up some money. And, you know, that, that takes a long time in a lot of cases that the company still has to recoup to a certain extent. And that depends on the publisher. But I'm guessing that there is some allowance of this for digital sales because those are selling for the same amount. It'll vary from person, company to company. So all, all the companies and person have different, to person. different deals. But I would imagine for 99% of the people making comics, there's no, di- there's no digital. No. There's no digital uh, money. You probably need, I'm guessing you need to have some sort of creator-owned stake in a lot of that stuff for that to happen. But I don't I mean, know. I mean, hell, that's why the TV writers went on strike. Yeah. You know, like, and the economics of comics are different than anywhere else. You know, you get paid to make this thing, and then it's a work-for-hire contract. You know, you don't get cut of the toys. You don't get a cut of the licensing. You don't get a cut of, you know, that's just the company does that, gets that. I don't know what it's like now, but for a little while, that was happening to a certain extent. I remember, like, when somebody, I was trying to remember who it was, I think Chuck Dixon said, like, one of his characters showed up in a Batman movie, and he got, like, $500. Yeah, no, the, Paul Levitz was always very good about making sure that the creators got some money when their character showed up in yeah. other media. But I think that's over, especially with the... Paul Levitz is long gone. <laughs> yeah. And even if, it's, even if that's the case... It's, it, it's a strict work for hire. I mean, that's the, the, the nature of the of the business. It's yeah. a con- the contract is you. I pay you ten dollars to make this page. I'm just making up a number there. No one, you know, that's not the number. But let's three hundred dollars. Your, your page rate three hundred dollars. You get three hundred dollars a page, and that's what it you is get. for some. Yeah, that's true. But that's what you get, and you don't get more than that, and you don't certainly don't get, make a cut of any of the rev- other revenues. That's because they're own, the company. We're talking about Marvel DC here because that's what Jason wrote about. Because the company owns the characters and they own all that stuff, and that's so they're the ones getting the revenue. Now this could be wrong. You can, you know, if you're a Marvel DC creator with a deal that gives you some money for a digital sale, let us know. We'll keep it off the record if you want. It's just it, I would be shocked if they get a cut of the digital right now. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel terribly guilty about it. No, it's just, it's just the way it is. Everyone, they, you know, they're not building their revenue projections with this digital service in mind. I guarantee it. Yeah, I, I'm guessing it almost has nothing to do with the economics of making a comic book that's all going to be built around the idea of what it's going to do in print and possibly direct sale digital in terms of revenue and paying for it and like connor said like the the subscription stuff is going to be completely ancillary yeah it's not like spotify where you get like a fraction of a penny goes to the artist or whatever it is but at the same time you know it's the same thing that we said about format or whatever is trade or issue or digital whatever if they're offering it to you in a legitimate form that the publisher who is like don't, don't worry about it like oh, yeah, no, if, if they're offering way, you a, a way to do it, you, you feel no guilt. Do the one that is best for you. Yeah. Like I said, if I wasn't doing this show, that's probably the way I'd read comics, honestly, because it sounds like a great deal. All right, let's wrap this beast up. Contact.ifanboy.com is where you can write in, like Jason and other people whose emails sit here in our script unread, because we, go, <laughs> we keep babbling on about books for so long. You know what? Don't make the books interesting to talk about.
True. True. Don't kill Clint. Clint is dead. Book Explode this past month in March was about Avengers West Coast, Vision Quest. Clint is dead. You should check that out. It is a burn spectacular. It is Marvel 80s goodness all goshed right out. I would just like to point out someone else wrote in this week, totally coincidentally, didn't, hadn't listened to the Book Explode yet, asked us about the difference between 80s storytelling and now because his, the, he was having a discussion with his son about it. And huh. I was like, dude, you got to listen to the books blow because <laughs> we did it. Yeah, that's what we talked about. <laughs> sure. He was having a discussion with his quote unquote son. <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I've had a discussion like that. My wife's like, stop talking. They don't care. Was like, okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but then after the Civil War, stop. In Reconstruction, patron hangout is going to be on April 24th where we get together and talk about stuff, probably movies. Because um, that's what there is. The Patreon Hangout will probably talk about, by that time, Falcon and the Winter Soldier will have ended. So we'll talk about Falcon oh, and the cool. Winter Soldier. We'll talk about the next day is the Oscars. So we'll probably do our Oscar picks. We do an Oscar pool with our patrons. And so that'll probably all happen too. But we'll probably also talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier because it'll, it'll have ended just that night, I think, the night before. And then we are going to have a media explode in April, which is, will be on April 29th, probably. That's that's a bold claim right there. You're like Gary Frank over here. Well, because we usually record after the Patreon Hangout. That's all. That's saying. true. That's true. That's true. And I guess the books blowed would, even though it came out the very end of March, that counts as the April. No, it came out the very beginning of April. Yeah, it's April. It's an April show. Blow. Yep, we're which good. Means that we had an interview for May on your way somehow. Hey, head over to fanboy.com. You can find all of our shows, our vast history of comic book writing. But really, you can find over a thousand podcasts there. I think they're well, not they're they're not all there. Well, I guess all the thousands are there. Well, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about uh, it. The 50 Make Comics episodes are not there. Right. I was just thinking, they are. I just realized, because I looked into, you know, our, our distributor has over a thousand shows. So the ones that are available, there's over a thousand of them. Cool. Missing the Make Comics shows. Those are gone to the ether. Facebook.com slash iFanboy. Let's go say Facebook. And follow iFanboy on Twitter and iFanboy Comics on Instagram. You can find out where the pick of the week is before the show comes out by following any of those places. Also, individually, we are C.S. Kilpatrick and Jay Flanagan on Instagram. And subscribe and like, smash those buttons. Is there a bell thing? I don't even understand it. YouTube.com slash iFanboy. That's where you can find our old video show uploads that are happening because of the patrons. This past week, we had a mini episode where Josh talked about WYSIWYG. Oh, Ed Piscor's early work. Yep. Nice. We did a spotlight on Oni Press, and then we did a special about Marvel and DC crossovers, some of our favorites that we've read. You can find those all on YouTube.com slash iFanboy. Probably have about a year left of uploads. We finally made it to 2009 of the regular video shows, and I think we have about a year left of these shows being uploaded. And he'd be damned if he was going to let you upload any old shows. That's what you, <laughs> Whatever that word you said before, you had a walking thing to it. Yeah. If you dig the show, leave a review or a star rating. I'm very bad at it. On <laughs> Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Better yet, tell your friends, your mom, your kid, your letter carrier. Tell Christopher Walken about it. If you happen to know him, maybe you have a connection. It's a small world out there. I remember a story. We're already going. It's going to be 30 seconds. Jay Moore told where he was on a movie set with Christopher Walken and (laughs) carried around an apple in his pocket. And he would take a bite of the apple and then put it back in his pocket. And he'd keep taking it out through the day. And it kept getting browner and browner until he finished the apple. He ate one at a time just in his pocket. Wow. It's the most Christopher Walken thing I've ever heard, and I loved it. That's all. Thank you for all that stuff. Clint is dead. Clint is dead. Nosy people get it too. When you see me spit at you, you know I'm trying to get rid of you. Yeah, I know it's pitiful. That's how killers get down. Watch my killers spit round. Make you suckers kiss ground. Just for talking clown. Oh, you think it's funny? Then you don't know me, money. It's about to get ugly. Whatever, dog, I'm hungry. I guess you know what that means. Come up off that green. Drive to get over me. Don't make it a murder scene. Give a dog a bone. Leave a dog alone. Let a dog roam and he'll find his way home.